Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today and I am super excited to introduce to you one of my wonderful friends who is our next guest on the podcast, Alana Kuwabara. Um, She went to an acting conservatory in New York City, so has a background in acting and film producing. She also has been in ministry for two decades. She lives in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, She focuses on women's ministry. She's also a business consultant. What doesn't this woman do? She is awesome. Today, we are going to be looking at Dorothy L. Sayers, who is so fitting for Alana. So Alana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here because you're awesome. I love talking to you. And Dorothy is like our girl. So I'm very excited to talk about her. She is goals. Definitely she perfectly matches you, I think. In all the different, (laughs) the creativity, the apologetics, the feistiness, like. The writing plays. Writing plays. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. She's awesome. Yeah. So we're looking at Dorothy L. Sayers. I I love her because she had, you know, a bit of a relationship, a friendship with C.S. Lewis, and she studied Mm -hmm. at Oxford. Is just a brilliant Mm -hmm. intellect, but then also a great creative writer, Um, just an incredible woman. So I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to dive into her today. She's obviously in that sort of modern period as well, so C.S. Lewis sort of time, so 1950s onwards. Um, But I would love to hear um, from you, um, Alana, just a little bit on her background. Where did she come from, her spiritual formation and that sort of stuff? Okay, so um, I'm going to give you the sort of like official bio about her. Um, (laughs) Because so I don't know if you've heard of the Marion E. Wade Center. Yes, at Wheaton. Yes. I was supposed okay. to go there this year no. and because of COVID, I couldn't go there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I figured you would have heard of it. And mm-hmm. she is um, the only lady that is the subject of their studies there. But for anybody who doesn't know, um, this is their description from their website. So the Marion E. Wade Center promotes cultural engagement and spiritual formation by offering a collection of resources available nowhere else in the world, emphasizing Mm -hmm. the ongoing relevance of seven British Christian authors who provide a distinctive blend of intellect, imagination, and faith. C.S. Lewis, Mm. J.R.R. Tolkien, Dorothy Sayers, George MacDonald, G.K. Chesterton, Owen Barfield, and Charles Williams. The greats. The greats. The greats. I love it. So if you live in Chicago or anywhere near Chicago, definitely check it out, right? Check it out. Yeah. Um, And interestingly enough, um, the co-directors, the Downings, Crystal Downing was my English professor when I was in college no. before I went to acting school. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's crazy. She spoke so at the I, Chesterton conference this year. She did. And a I have boss. Boss lady. She's, she's incredible. She really yeah. is very passionate about what she does. And she's really able to, like, pass that on to other people. And mm. she there's things that I remember from her classes still 
Wow. A long time, from a long time ago. But I still remember <laughs> Centuries today. ago. Yeah. Centuries ago in my youth. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Dorothy L. Sayers. Okay. So she was born June 13th, 1893. Mm-hmm. And she died December 17th, 1957. And I yeah, thought it'd wow. be good to kind of put that in context for us mm-hmm. with some other people that are a little bit more well-known. So Lewis yeah. was um 1898 to 1963 so she died in 1957 he died in 1963 chesterton died in 1936 Mm -hmm. so that helps kind of place her on a timeline she was born to an anglican Mm -hmm. rector and so she kind of grew up in the church the way a lot of people grew up in the church just like kind of a normal part of your life without there being any sort of spiritual um, kind of weight to it. It's just like mm. we go to church on Sundays, you know? Yeah. Um, so she actually got into detective writing and okay. that's what she was really known for, for a long time. She was quite famous. And not Sis just Lewis. among Christians, like not, not no. just the Christian bookstores. She was like a legit, <laughs> a legit famous <laughs> writer. <laughs> it wasn't like, if you like Agatha Christie, you should read yes. Dorothy Sayers, a yes. Christian detective yeah. writer. I'm, I'm not going to no. mention, I'm not going to mention any titles or anything like that because that's offensive, but you can, <laughs> you can put two and two together. Yeah, totally. So... Dorothy was first and foremost a detective writer. That's the mm-hmm. thing that got her famous. And there's so many wonderful, interesting facts about this. So there was something called the Detective Club. Cool. You've probably heard of this. The Detection Club. So never. G.K. Chester. Never heard of it. Never yes. heard of the Detection Club. Tell me about it. <laughs> So G.K. Chesterton was the first president of this club. Okay. Which then um, Dorothy Sayers and Chesterton were in this club together with a number of other writers. And then uh, Sayers was the third president. The second president, nobody really knows who that, they know who it was, but it's not, they're not a recognizable name, unfortunately. But um, then so Sayers was president of the detection club until her death, in which at which time Agatha Christie became wow. the president. So this That's is cool. like a pretty big deal. And this yeah. club still exists today. Wow. Are you yes. the president today? <laughs> I'll never tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um no. so anyway, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um that is cool. She Chesterton was um, the she would cite him as the biggest influence in her um, spirituality. Wow. And uh, apparently they were, you know, pretty good friends um, for a time. And then so, but also, so she was also an accomplished and popular playwright. Mm-hmm. And she, did, there's another random thing. So yeah, we are alike in some ways. <laughs> so she did the, um, she did a translation of Dante's The Divine Comedy. Yeah. That is considered unmatched in quality and readability. So wow. It's like she's they asked brilliant. her to do it and she did it. Yeah, she's brilliant. And so, yeah, she did go to Oxford. She graduated in 1915, um, but she was not allowed to have a degree. Yeah, because women don't need degrees. That was you can go to reason. the school. <laughs> yeah, they don't need them. Then why do you let them in the school? But you and, let them in the school. 
and she excelled like beyond a lot of the other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for it, fiery Alana. Go for it. Let listen, loose. I I just <laughs> I want it to make sense. Like, mm. you know, uh, there's some things where I could go. All right, I guess that kind of makes sense. But mm. you let her do the whole thing, and she like you said, she excelled, and then but you don't get the actual degree while she was there. She also was part of the mutual admiration society, a literary, a literary society of undergraduate women, Mm -hmm. um, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. So she, she, she says like, she never had a conversion experience. She just Mm -hmm. kind of grew up in church. And then it sounds like um, Chesterton got to her. And she started to really um, kind of care more about orthodoxy at that mm. point in time. Amazing. And um, yeah, so then she was commissioned to do, so another big thing that she's known for is she was commissioned to do this series of uh, radio plays yeah. about the life and death of Jesus. Wow. Um, and it was called The Man Born to Be King. Amazing. Very cool. So it was quite controversial mm-hmm. because she, so she took a year to write this, to research and write it. She read, um, I'm going to mess up his name, but she read Josephus. Wow. Yeah. Did I say it right? Yeah. Um, yeah and so she spent a year like just pouring over all the scholarly literature that was available at the time mm-hmm. to make and in sure. In the original, this- the original languages, because she's a scholar who's, studied all the languages, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in order to, you know, make sure that everything was as accurate as possible, Mm. what she did was the disciples and Jesus (laughs) spoke slang. Wow. Not King James. Oh. And, And not only that, but some of the slang was American slang. Oh, no. Which was, so listen, thousands of people wrote in to Winston <laughs> Churchill and the Archbishop of Canterbury. Of course. I and do. they were like, you cannot allow this to happen. This cannot go on the air. This is, this Disgusting. cannot continue. Despicable. Yeah. Despicable. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> and um, so someone, w- hold on, I wrote this down. Someone wrote. <laughs> okay. So the pro, there, there were all these protests but the plays went on from 1941, just before Christmas. And then in 1942, someone accused her of having caused the fall of Singapore to the Japanese yes. because <laughs> of these plays, because it was yes. God's judgment against these I've plays. I've heard that. How ridiculous. <laughs> Poor girl. But on the good end of it, thousands, yeah. she got thousands of letters of people saying that, these plays renewed their faith, Amazing. renewed their passion for Christ, um, and just changed their life all because because of the scandal, people tuned in. You know, it was like yes. no such thing as bad press kind of a thing. That's right. And I think, did C.S. Lewis, it like had some profound impact on him. He loved it or something like that. He loved Love, Man Born yeah, to be King. Yeah. yeah. So right before his C.S. Lewis's death, he was asked yeah. to name the most important influences in his spiritual life. He named four people. One of them was Chesterton. Two of them were some like 
spiritual McDonald, something like that. Yeah. Some, somebody, they were like, I don't know who they were. And then, but the fourth was Dorothy Sayers. Wow. So like months before he died, this is what he says. And he listed the man born to be King as one of the texts he turned to for spiritual edification and inspiration. Wow. That's powerful. That's pretty powerful, right? Yeah. I'm pretty cool. Um, so they also, Sayers was a big fan of Lewis's um, screw tape letters. Yeah. And so she wrote, so this is so funny. So this one guy who was particularly upset about Man Born to be King, mm-hmm. his name was L.T. Duff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he writes her this letter that's kind of rude. And it's basically like, you know, you strike me as an intelligent person. You have, mm. you clearly put a lot of research and effort into this. And yet you included all of these miracles. How could you possibly believe in miracles? Cool. And so she wrote him kind of a nasty letter back, which I of course loved. And, <laughs> um, you know, you can only talk about Dorothy Sayers so much. Like you have to hear her actual Absolutely. words. Absolutely. She's Even incredible. just reading her letters between her and Lewis, like that for me was yeah. just like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So one of those letters, she wrote it because she'd been going back and forth with this guy mm-hmm. and she ended up writing like um, her own version of a screw tape letter. She created mm-hmm. her own character. His name was Slug Drip. And apparently this is like a thing that people do, but she was one of the first. Um, and so she sent that to Lewis and it was basically about her. It was basically about like this, you know, apprentice devil um, working with the guy, the atheist who'd been writing her these letters and bothering her <laughs> and what their evil plot was. And um, so then at the end of it, she, um, this is her note. Okay. I'm reading her, her words now. So she said, Meanwhile, I'm left with the atheist on my hands. I do not want him. I have no use for him. I have no missionary zeal at all. The man keeps on bothering about miracles. He cannot spell and has a mind like a junk shop. She's like, she says, this will go on for years. I cannot bear it. Two of the books I recommended him are yours. I only hope they will arouse him to fury. Then I will hand him on to you. <laughs> you like you like souls I don't amazing and that she said oh wait, wait, wait. Two, two more lines she said God is simply taking advantage of the fact that I can't stand intellectual chaos and it isn't fair anyhow <laughs> there are, there aren't any up-to-date books about miracles so please tell me what to do about this mm-hmm. relic of the Darwinian age who is wasting my time sapping my energies and destroying my soul yours indignantly Dorothy Sayers and then he wrote back to her I'm starting a book on this is Lewis yeah C.S. Lewis exactly that's what I was gonna say that inspired him to write the book right it did amazing absolutely did they are so fun Dorothy and Jack there's a book that you've read this book haven't you I haven't read it but I know I haven't read the whole thing letters yes Dorothy Dorothy and Jack Jack. C.S. Lewis and Dorothy Sayers going at it basically via um, letters. 
So just like yeah. debating each other, but spurring each other on. They both had a lot of respect for yeah. each other. Yeah. And it's interesting. They, they're very similar when you, um, when you read them. I was just blown away at mm. how, and maybe it's just like the time the time period and they're, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're in Britain. It's like, okay, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with that, but the intro to mere Christianity, right? C.S. Lewis is setting up this framework of the natural law, right. Yeah. And how, you know, we can recognize this thing, but where does it come from? It has to be outside mm-hmm. of, you know, it has to be outside of us or else it doesn't yeah. work. This is me butchering C.S. Lewis. No, that's right. Um, but so then uh, Dorothy Sayers in The Mind of the Maker, she sets the whole thing up with this, I, this idea of like of law and rules mm-hmm. and um, that the natural law and arbitrary wow. law. So if I might, I thought that I would read a little bit from that. Yeah, please go ahead. She's so awesome. So she's a she's definitely like c.s lewis would kind of go after people a little bit but she like she goes straight to to the point so in her preface this is the preface i'm just going to read um, part of this page yeah she says this book is not an apology for christianity nor is it an expression of personal religious belief it is a commentary in the light of specialized knowledge on a particular set of statements made in the Christian creeds and their claim to be statement of fact, mm-hmm. it is necessary to issue this caution for the popular mind has grown so confused that it is now no longer able to receive any statement of fact, except as an expression of personal feeling. Wow. Some time ago, the present writer, pardonably irritated by a very prevalent ignorance concerning the essentials of Christian doctrine, published a brief article in which those essentials were plainly set down in words that a child could understand. <laughs> like, Savage. that's the preface of her book. Yeah. <laughs> two paragraphs in. <laughs> She's awesome. She's like, a child could understand this. Every clause was preceded by some such phrase as the church maintains, the church teaches, if the church is right, and so forth. The only personal opinion expressed was that, though the doctrine might be false, it could not very well be called dull. Every newspaper that reviewed this article accepted it without question as a profession of faith. Some, heaven knows why, called it a courageous profession of faith, as though professing Christians in this country were liable to instant persecution. One review syndicated throughout the empire called it a personal confession of faith by a woman who feels sure she is right. <laughs> now, what the writer believes or does not believe is of little importance one way or the other. What is of great and disastrous importance is the proved inability of supposedly educated persons to read. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> She's amazing. Okay, one more little part. She she yeah. goes, it is common knowledge among school teachers that a high percentage of examination failures result from not reading the question. The candidate presumably applies his eyes to the paper, but his answer shows that he is incapable of discovering by that process what the question is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's brilliant. I love her. Maybe it's yeah. a, good, a good opportunity now to move through to like maybe some works because we've sort mm. of had a look at like one of her plays. We've had a look at like 
some of her writing, but can you give us a, a bit of an idea on what are the big works that she's known for and maybe like a little bit of depth into into those? Yeah. So what I was just reading from is The Mind of the Maker. This is in the intro part, The Mind of the Maker. It's basically about um, the creativity of God and mm, the Trinity. Beautiful. So, um, but that would be like at the top of the list. She, and then obviously she's got the play, The Man uh, Born to be King. She has all of her detective novels, yes. the Lord Peter Whimsy series, which didn't really, um, they didn't really stand the test of time the way mm. Agatha Christie's did. And I hate to always be like putting Dorothy Sayers in comparison with other people because they mm-hmm. she stands on her own two feet. But it's so weird to me that I never heard of her until yes. you're like, hey, I'm doing this podcast and here's some yeah. people that you could choose from. And I was like, oh, this one. <laughs> do Dorothy. Because I really wanted you to do Dorothy Sayers. I'm really, really <laughs> pumped that you did. I'm so glad that you did because she just really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, but I love Agatha Christie. I love C.S. Lewis. Mm. She's right there. It's like she's yeah. there, but I never heard of her. Mm. Um, so then she did um, um, a couple of talks, one of, well, two of which were put into a book. Ooh. And Are it's Women Human? Wonderful title, Are Women Human? <laughs> the answer... Well, you'll have to read the book to find out. No, the answer is obviously yes. Um, astute and witty essays on the role of women in society. Uh, and it's and interesting because do... she was criticized for being very conservative and sort of orthodox in her views around women, but then obviously mm. also very much pushing the boundaries and like, you know, an mm-hmm. amazing accomplished woman in herself. So I think this is going to mm-hmm. be super interesting just to hear, yeah, how does she sort of present that like a woman's role and and yeah who she is and what she's called to do and all that well she (laughs) she she actually um that was one thing that she didn't like about Lewis she felt Mm. like the way that he depicted marriage and wait I have a great, great quote yeah (laughs) Sayers comments on Lewis's views of women in another letter where she stated I do admit that he is apt to write shocking nonsense about women in marriage that however is not because he is a bad theologian but because he is a rather frightened bachelor yes (laughs) boom very savage very Um, savage savage takes no prisoners so it is interesting that the controversy there on her views about women, but I think she really just nails it in this, this, these essays, the, there's two mm-hmm. in here. And the first one, she was asked to come and speak at the women's society mm-hmm. in 1938. Okay. And she's basically like, I don't really know if you want me to do this <laughs> 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 because she doesn't really, she's like, I don't really identify myself as a feminist. No. I have two quotes from, from these essays that really kind of say it all. But she says, I do not know that it is very easy to explain without offense or risk of misunderstanding exactly what I do mean, but I will try. So um, they actually brought her there to do this because they wanted her to make herself clear. Um <laughs> 
So <laughs> she says in the second essay, which is the human, not quite human. The first thing that strikes the careless observer is that women are unlike men. They're the opposite sex. Though why opposite, I do not know. What is the neighboring sex? Which, <laughs> you know, welcome to 2021. Should oh, absolutely. Things, absolutely. <laughs> but the fundamental thing that women are more like men than anything else in their world. And so she talks about how men are typically seen as being male and human while women are seen as being women or being Mm. feminine. So then back to are women human? The question of sex equality is like all questions affecting human relationships, delicate and complicated. It cannot be settled by loud slogans or hard and fast assertions like a woman is as good as a man or women's places in the home or women ought not to take men's jobs. The minute one makes such assertions, one finds one has to qualify them. A woman is as good as a man is meaningless to say. When we balance, say, the poet against the engineer, we are faced with a fundamental difference of temperament. So that here our question is complicated by the enormous social problem, whether poetry or engineering is, quote, better for the state Mm. or for humanity in general. There may be people who would like a world that was all engineers or all poets, but most of us would like to have a certain number of each. So there again, we should differ about the desirable proportion of engineering to poetry. The only proviso we should make is that people with dreaming and poetical temperaments should not entangle themselves in engines and that mechanically (laughs) minded persons should not issue booklets of bad verse. Um, So, you know, basically... This part really, when I read this, I was like, this woman gets me. She wow. gets 2020. Wow. Uh, we're in 2020 part two, yes. as far as I'm concerned. Part two. Um, <laughs> but there's just like some fundamental things that she just gets. Um, mm. <laughs> that is so obvious that it hardly seems worth saying when she's talking about, you know, obviously you can't just say, a woman is as good as a man is as Mm. as meaningless as saying a poet is as good as an engineer. Like, Mm. what does that even mean? What does it mean? Yeah, absolutely. But it is the mark of all movements, however well-intentioned that their pioneers tend by much lashing of themselves into excitement to lose sight of the obvious. In reaction against the age-old slogan, woman is the weaker vessel or the still more offensive, woman is a divine creature... We have, I think, allowed ourselves to drift into asserting that a woman is as good as a man without always pausing to think exactly what we mean by that. What I feel we ought to mean is something so obvious that it is apt to escape attention altogether. (laughs) (laughs) Vis-a-vis, not that every woman is, in virtue of her sex, as strong, clever, artistic, level-headed, industrious, and so forth as any man that can be mentioned, but that a woman is just as much an ordinary human being as a man with the Mm. same individual preferences and with just as much right to the tastes and preferences of an individual. What is repugnant to every human being is to be reckoned always as a member of a class and not as an individual person. Wow. Great. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Mic drop. Dorothy Sayers. There's a mic drop on every page. Like if you can see this, it's like I have underlined and dog-eared. Really amazing. So I highly recommend this if you. I feel like 
I was reading a lot about Sayers mm-hmm. and then I was reading um, one of her Lord Whimsy novels, which is, it's fun, but it's hard to, um, it's really hard to keep up with because it's mm-hmm. so contemporary to those times that they're okay. using like words we don't use anymore. And like, mm. there's the, the, what do you call it? You know, the mannerisms and the manners mm. and the classes and just the mm. way things were in, in Britain. Like you need to like take a class just to understand how, <laughs> what's going on. It doesn't flow for me, mm-hmm. for maybe somebody else does, but it wasn't until I read this, which is basically, it's like a pamphlet. It's a very short. Yeah. Um, that I was like, oh, now I know who this is. I know who wow. this woman is. So if you just want to dive right in and really know like who is Dorothy Sayers and why should I read anything else, mm-hmm. I would start with Are Women Human? Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So cool. Are there any other big works or events or any any of her creative projects that you want to mention or should we move on to her influence and her like why we should know her today. She did um, Letters to a Diminished Church, which I've been meaning to read. um, Mm. But I just, between the title and having read some of her other uh, works at this point, I just know it's going to be super relevant. Wow! I I just know it's going to be, it's going to feel like she's talking to us in, in 2020 part two. So, um, and she has, uh, an essay in there, uh, called why work. Mm. And this was a big, she was very passionate about this. And I'll just read you this one short paragraph, which is the opening to it. She said, I have already on a previous occasion spoken at some length on the subject of work and vocation. What I urged then was a thorough thoroughgoing revolution in our whole attitude to work. I ask that it should be looked upon not as a necessary drudgery to be undergone for the purpose of making money, but as a way of life in which the nature of man should find its proper exercise and delight and so Mm. fulfill itself to the glory of God, that it should in fact be thought of as a creative activity undertaken for the love of the work itself. Mm-hmm. And that man made in God's image should make things as God makes them for the sake of doing well, a thing that is well worth doing. Wow. That's so beautifully written. Yeah. And yeah. And powerful. And and this was, you know, one of the, um, this was a subject that she was passionate about, passionate about that there were, it's gotten far worse. So, um, mm. but you know, that there were, you know, these people just this drudgery kind of necessary mm. drudgery just to make mm. money. And that she saw, she didn't see that, you know, Imago day in mm. that, and that, you know, as mm. images of God, we should be doing something mm. higher. Um, mm. Yeah. And just, it's in that, I love that, that idea that it's in that creative process mm-hmm. as we're being creative and we're like sort of reflecting that image of God, we are we are actually fulfilling our high, highest calling to be mm-hmm. made in the image of God, and then to give glory back to God through our mm-hmm. work, through our creative creativity, you know, our work and all that sort of thing. So I love yeah. what you said there. Like, yeah, it's almost in in the attitude as well. If we're like hating what we're doing and whatever, it's almost like a corruption of that image, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's a resentment for it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, in terms of why, why, 
get into Dorothy Sayers, mm. I mean, her influence, I think, interestingly enough, is probably felt more through Lewis. Wow. Um, and in an intangible way, mm. um, because so many of us don't didn't even know who she was. Um, and so kind of, as you start to learn more about her, you discover these trailways of like, oh, like, here's another interesting tidbit. She had done a series of talks about the creeds and yeah. orthodoxy on yeah. BBC radio. And they were so successful that BBC was like, hey, we need to keep this up. And so a few years later, they asked C.S. Lewis to do it. And those talks became Mere Christianity. Amazing. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) So it's like there's all of these little winding roads that kind of a lot of them lead Mm. back to Sayers. And, you know, I think she's kind of just part of that. Mm. almost like an ecosystem at the time of you know these eagle and childs and you know guys and um so I would yeah I would say that her influence as far as I'm aware and I'm like Mm. this deep into everything that she's done and learning about her Mm. but um just for the mere fact that C.S. Lewis would list her and he only listed four people as being the most influential in his life. Mm-hmm. He listed her next to Chesterton. Like, wow. just go, just go get a book. Yes. <laughs> you know what I get mean? Get into this lady. Like, must- Absolutely. She's awesome. And plus, you know, so there's that, there's that, that learning about the influence that is not quite so obvious, mm-hmm. um, I think is, is a good thing to do. But also she's, um, I would read her the same way that I read Lewis. She puts mm-hmm. language to, the reason why I love Lewis is because mm-hmm. he puts language to things that I already knew or I already mm-hmm. had a sense of, but didn't know mm-hmm. how to express. Not everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, That's great. But mere Christianity, especially. Um, but... Sayers is kind of the same way, but yeah, in a yeah. like we keep saying feisty, <laughs> in a sassy that's female way, in a, yeah. in a sassy female way, and yeah. um, you know she talks about that as well in Are We Humans? Yeah. Like there's some things that are that will like what you don't need a woman. I can't remember exactly what it is. It's like you don't need a woman's opinion on how to build a highway. Like just build mm-hmm. a highway that works. There's no like feminine or masculine yeah. way to build a highway, but there are some things that are masculine and feminine. And it's like, you know, Lewis really relies heavily on, um, you know, war analogies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if that's going to go over your head, there's probably something that Sayers wrote that tackles (laughs) similar subjects, but from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, and they just kind of read in a very similar way, Mm -hmm. like I said before. So, um, and she's she also speaks to creativity, mm, and awesome. obviously for me that is mm. great. Yeah. I think that's another wonderful reason to read her because there's just something about her that's very um, normal, 
just mm-hmm. like an average citizen. Yeah. I think because she just kind of grew up in the church, didn't really have her sights set on on theology, was a detective writer, and then made this switch. And she never published another detective novel again when this light went off. She just focused on, you know, theology. And so she's coming at it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. It's not super academic in that sense. It's Mm -hmm. very practical. Um, Her writing is very practical and pointed to specific issues but it's still, you're still getting that contemporary, those contemporary ideas from mm. Chesterton Lewis time period. That's so awesome. Um, do you have any favorite quotes that you've come across as you've been reading Sayer's works? <laughs> All you, the ones I yeah, read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just w- opened up to a really good one. Yeah. So she's talking about <laughs> this issue of, you know, women being asked, why do you want to wear trousers? (laughs) This is an important issue. Yeah. This Oxford scholar. (laughs) This Oxford scholar. Why do you want to, why do you, why do women need to wear trousers? Like, why can't you just wear your dresses? Yeah. Um, So she says, let me give one simple illustration of the difference between the right and wrong kind of feminism. Let us make, take this terrible business so distressing to the mind of bishops, of the women who go about in trousers. <laughs> we are asked, why do you want to go about in trousers? They are in- extremely unbecoming to most of you. You only do it to copy the men. To this, we may very properly reply. It is true that they are unbecoming. Even on men, they are remarkably unattractive. <laughs> but, as you, <laughs> but as you men have discovered for yourselves, they are comfortable. They do not get in the way of one's activities like skirts and they protect the wearer from drafts about the ankles. As a human being, I like comfort and dislike drafts. If the trousers, here's the quote, if the trousers do not attract you, so much the worse. For the moment, I do not want to attract you. I want to enjoy myself as a human being. (laughs) Oh, lol. That's awesome. Brilliant. I I love her humor and her wit but then mixed with her intelligence. It's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's not like she's saying nothing. She's saying something quite profound, but mm-hmm. with with that added wit and sass, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Any other quotes that you want to mention? Or I do, I do. I actually could grab an, um, this one's a little bit more serious, mm-hmm. if you will. So this is from Mind of the Maker, and she's just set up basically how, you can have a law, an arbitrary law, and then you have like a law of nature. So if you're playing, um, you know, a game of of cricket, you can have a law that says whatever. If the ball goes out mm-hmm. of these bounds, then this is the penalty for that. That's just yeah. something that that's arbitrary. You came up with that. But you can't have a law that defies the law of gravity. You can't say, mm-hmm. well, in order to make a... a get a point the ball has to go into outer space and circle the earth three times like that's crazy (laughs) but she's saying that they're we're having a problem kind of differentiating between these two types of laws Mm. um and so she said something that i just thought was really pertinent to today 
So the second condition is, of course, that the arbitrary law shall not run counter to the law of nature. If it does, it not only will it not only will not, it cannot be enforced. Thus, if the MCC, the governing body for cricket, <laughs> were to agree in a thoughtless moment that the ball must be so hit by the batsman that it should never come down to earth again, cricket would become an impossibility. A vivid sense of reality usually restrains sports committees from promulgating laws of this kind. Other legislators occasionally lack this salutary realism. Here's the quote. When the laws regulating human society are so formed as to come into collision with the nature of things, and in particular, with the fundamental realities of human nature, they will end by producing an impossible situation, which, unless the laws are altered, will issue in such catastrophes as war, pestilence, and famine. Catastrophes thus caused are the execution of the universal law upon arbitrary enactments which contravene the facts. They are thus properly called by theologians, judgments of God. Wow. So, you know, um, this idea of arbitrary laws coming into, you know, with natural laws. And I feel like. Yeah. 2020. We're dealing with some 2021. of that. Yeah, absolutely. We're no elaboration necessary. To... <laughs> no elaboration necessary. But very, very pointed mm. um, and good to consider you know, where we're headed and what does that look like? And, you know, if what she's saying is true, and I think it is mm. that like, we need to be on the lookout and, you know, mm. active in yeah. trying to make sure that <laughs> arbitrary laws and, and the laws of nature, laws of, of God's nature aren't colliding in that, mm. that kind of way. And what can we do, you know? Yeah. That's so good. Um, do you have any uh, fun facts or any fun stories? This is always my favorite part. <laughs> um, just any oh, no. insights that you could give us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're setting this up to be like a massive thing. Um, but do you have any fun facts, fun stories about Dorothy L. Sayers that you could tell us? Honestly, my favorite fun story is that the oh, atheist that Duff? kept writing her. T yeah, LT Duff, Duff. There it is. Mm. LT Duff. And she was just so exacerbated by <laughs> this guy. And the fact that she said, you know, when she wrote to C.S. Lewis about him, you know, I will hand him on to you. You like souls. I don't. Mm. <laughs> she said, I have yeah. no missionary zeal at all. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be dealing Straight with this up. guy. I don't get care. him out of my get life. Get me into the green room. I don't want to associate with the people. <laughs> That's what she's basically saying. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. I feel like her whole life is a fun, you know, fun story, fun fact. The way that she lives, the way that she interacts with, with other people, um, she just seems to be a very interesting, funny, fun person. Yeah, I think if you were to go back into her earlier years, um, you could find some interesting, fun stuff. That book, um, Dorothy and Jack. Yeah. The first, you know, few chapters of it is basically or like a retelling of both of their lives in parallel. So wow. like from birth, like what was going on with her, what was going on with him. And yeah. obviously they 
they weren't the same age, but mm. like, what was our growing up life like? And mm. uh, comparing and contrasting that. And um, I seem to recall there were some interesting stories in there, mm. but like I said, shit, I would rather read her mm. than read about her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like actually go and read the letters between her and C.S. Lewis. Cause they're just yes. like, Brilliant. And you, yeah, I, lo- I, I, lo- I just love the debate and the drama of it all. <laughs> I think it's like, it's, it's fun. So it's just fun. Yeah. And and I love There's that. There's also another, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I love that um, that relationship where they're just spurring one another on. They're really like, you know, pushing each other to think more deeply, to think more critically, to mm-hmm. think, you know, intellectually to sort of, um, push past that frontier and and really come up with good ideas but in the friendship as well so I, I really find that inspiring for like us and, and people we have on the podcast and other people who are watching and listening you know just to have those community of friends where you are sort mm-hmm. of spurring one another on into that those deeper thoughts and thinking about you know these important questions and thrashing them out with each other yeah, that's so important. It's so mm. important for us personally to keep mm. our um, our brains <laughs> active <laughs> and yeah. yeah, just to not like get into your own little bubble, but also mm. to um, to work out how you can disagree with other mm. people. Um, there's actually a really good talk, even though I just said I'd rather read her than yeah, yeah. Uh, listen to other people talk about her but if you're going to there's a really good talk um with crystal downing um dr crystal downing and her, and her husband um i think they are at the mary e wade center oh, awesome. and they're talking about um i'm just gonna pull up the name of it real quick because yeah go for it it's about, is it about C.S. Lewis and Sayers, like Dorothy and Jack and their... It's about, yeah, oh, okay. It's called C.S. Lewis and Dorothy L. Sayers, A Feisty Friendship. Oh, how fun is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's fun and it's about an hour long. Um, but one of the things that they're kind of trying to pull out of, of that was this ability to have a conversation with people that you disagree with and also how to how to talk to you know people you don't know strangers who disagree mm-hmm. with you yeah um so there's you know because there's so many letters that Sayers wrote and that she wrote to um fans and detractors <laughs> um <laughs> she has given us like a really great blueprint so there's that one there's also awesome. um the Subversive Sayers, Christ, Culture, and the Shocking uh, Dorothy Sayers, mm-hmm. um, which is a new book that is out. And then, um, oh, I think I was mixing two things together. So there's this other woman, Amy or Ewing. Oh, yes, she's a, awesome. Yeah, she has a talk, The Apologetic Method of Dorothy L. Sayers, which that that's the one that's more about, um, you know, addressing, talking to people about, Jesus and yeah awesome in our day and age and what we can learn from Dorothy about that she's awesome she's on Instagram I think she um is currently the president of the Oxford Center for Apologetics or something like that or evangelism yeah yeah Yeah, she's amazing wonderful lady awesome well um is there any 
Anything else that you want to tell us about Sayers? Anything you want to leave us with before we go? My big plug for Sayers is just go and read her work. Mm-hmm. Start with Our Women Human, mm-hmm. then Mind of the Maker, and then Letters to a Diminished Church. I think that you'll be encouraged. Awesome. You will laugh. <laughs> you will be inspired. You will get some um passion mm-hmm. back if you need it yeah, about right. how to engage with culture mm-hmm. and be a Christian Brilliant. in a way that is <laughs> attractive, but oppositional because we're mm-hmm. not supposed to be like the world. So the world is not yeah, supposed wow. to recognize right. us. But at the same time, mm-hmm. one of the things that that Sayers was able to do through her plays in particular and her radio talks was basically prepare a table for people that they're coming to eat. And then, you know, she's serving Jesus. Wow. Beautiful. To be able to do that and to learn from her how to do that, I think Mm. is definitely worth the price of admission. Brilliant. Amazing. Thank you, Alana. And thank you for everything that you shared about Dorothy L. Sayers. What an inspiring woman. And I know I'm super excited to dive into her work. Thank you for giving us a tasting platter today as well and helping us to get to know her a little bit better. And it was lovely chatting to you. Thank you for um, all that you do. So if people want to check you out, where can they go to, to find out more about you and your ministry and everything that you're doing? I am just on Instagram. Okay. Yep. Just my name. Super simple, easy to find. Brilliant. So you don't have a secret Facebook account? (laughs) Not on. I have. It may as well be a secret Facebook account (laughs) because I don't log into it. Yes. Oh, Facebook sucks. I'll probably get shut down for saying this, but (laughs) it's the worst. You know, they Um, run Instagram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to get hacked next week and then my whole (laughs) life will be shut down. Um, no, awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Alana. You are so much fun. You are a brilliant woman. I'm so blessed to call you friend and blessed to have this chat with you today. Thank you to everyone who's been listening as well or watching the podcast today. We're so glad that you could join us. We'll see you next time on the Eagle and Child podcast. Catch you later. Thanks so much for tuning into the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.